now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks so much for checking out our year-round carnival podcast. We're each and every Monday via Vince Accardi's clock at Daily Sectionals. We take a look at the best Melbourne and Sydney racing. Spring is really hotting up. Uh, very good racing at Rose Hill and Mooney Valley. As we say, good morning to Vince Accardi. Hey, mate. Yeah, good morning, Rolf. You're not wrong about some good racing. Wow. And we're getting good tracks too. We're going to be happy with that. Keep the weather away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's start with Rose Hill. Uh, appropriately, given that it's up and coming uh, stakes day, and, yeah, some nice up and comers involved. Before I ask about a couple of those individual races, how did the track play? Well, the first thing is looking for where all those winners come from, where pretty much there's only one runner up against the rail all day, and the rest of the horses were either anywhere between nine, lane nine and 12 pretty much, which is fantastic. That's exactly where you want to be, four, five, six off the fence. That's the golden spot. In terms of pace, I was surprised there was a you know a number of runners that came from midfield, but the majority of the horses were on pace leaders, Rolfie. Right. All right, well, let's start the San Domenico race eight on the program. Liberts had one. Wow, what a ride by Chad Schofield, firstly. Just put him straight in the 1-1. A horse that we stamped in the Sizzlers on a wet track back in uh, Randwick, and when your race speed profiles came out Saturday morning, you were saying that it, it, it was really your starting point, wasn't he, as far oh, as uh, absolutely, looking Absolutely. I mean, not only is the horse come back superbly, right, it, it, this, 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 or, this is probably one of about two or three horses that I feel are going to really go places this campaign. 0.7 right. above. It's a narrow, narrow sort of uh, win. But one thing, uh, we've been doing some members bonuses with uh, with our podcast, and this week what we'll do, we'll send you a PDF of some real sharp trials from the likes of uh, of Nature Strip last week, and also uh, there was, uh, what was it, Marzu and uh, Mars Crusader, Don, Don Corleone. So we've got some information. If you're a Group 1 member, we'll send you that information. But you said in the Zapateo trial that uh, that Libertad really showed enough, even though he's beaten 3, 3.8 lengths on the day. Yeah. Oh, I really did, Ralphie, because you look at the speed that it was travelling at that day, Canterbury, Canterbury trial, the way it moved in the mid-race was excellent. And, of course, there was a taper in the end of around three lengths, but that was a big signal, especially when you have a good squeeze in, in the mid-race in a trial, that you're sort of coming, not only coming on nicely, I just felt that, that last 200 metres, really both the trials were sort of giving that how do I put it? it? Was just giving the. I, I wasn't expecting a 0.7 above Ralphie, right? But I was expecting a performance that would be somewhere close to benchmark. Yeah, you know, maybe a half length, one length below. But that would make you super competitive, if not the the winner. Yeah. And as it turned out, 0.7 above off a nice speed, 3.4 below benchmark, first section. I love the way the horse travelled in the mid race, not overextending about 4.4 lengths, and really left it all for the last 400 metres, plus 4.8. Of course, in the better part of the ground, I also love the way the overall 1,000 metres for the day like, was really right on point, you know, inside the top 10. Everything points to this horse. I'm not sure how high this horse is going to go, but one thing's for certain, Ralph, is if anything to go by from not even looking at the first up run, just look at that second up run last campaign and using that as your baseline of half length below and you've returned 0.7 above, knowing that I feel this horse is going to be able to extend to more ground and 
could it go to plus two, plus three this this campaign? Why not? Chad Schofield uh, told Racing uh, New South Wales website here, he flew the gates, floated into a lovely position. From there, I was able to sit and wait because I knew I had the two leaders covered. When I pressed the button, he quickened, held them quite comfortably. As a two-year-old, he's really been scratched a few times behind the gates. So he's turned the corner and was really good today. It's exciting because I know there's a lot of improvement here. So what you're saying, Vince, is the, the data's backing up what what uh, what Chad felt underneath him in that he, he's, he's a more mature horse and he's a stronger horse. He is, and... You articulated about the ride, and the ride like was like right on point. He left all the energy for the right moment, and this is one of the good advantages you can get if you can jump cleanly, get into the right position, allow the horse to breathe correctly. Then you leave all the energy for the end, and and the trials have done the job. So, but we've seen Ralphie Nisham, Annabelle Nisham's very good at getting their horses ready. Absolutely, she gave it a, a real good, uh, good uh, push post race, saying like it was eight dollars. I know you had it on top in your race speed profiles, but she said uh, it wasn't underrated by her stable. It was, it was the number one uh, contender there. A couple of big horses as far as closing speed, and and this is where it's always a, always a challenge at, the, at August, and it's always the fascinating part of the job as these uh, these two year olds now three come, they emerge, they run home. They, have they got real substance under the bonnet, though, is the question. There was money for General Salute, who ran home into fourth, and Kadinsky Abstract, who, uh, who was uh, well-backed. Uh, it, uh, it it was well off from early, but it, uh, it it did close nicely. What did the actual numbers say, and what's your confidence level going forward from those two? Yeah, well, Kadinsky Abstract, even though it only had the one IVR figure that you could really work with, the reality was this. That horse had also trialled very well at Canterbury, probably didn't have the the same squeeze in the mid-race as Liberated did. The finish was strong. And that one run at Canterbury in its actual race of four lengths below, when you actually really break that down, and I had a look at the sort of the matrix, which sort of looks at all the runners that were in that field and had they done anything either leading in or or subsequent, there was some insight that you could gain that the horse had the potential to possibly go minus a half to minus one, and that sort of gave me some confidence that the noise around this horse was valid. And what cost it here is 8.7 lengths below benchmark first section. I mean, you know hope from there, Ralphie, but what, what it is positive is the horse is obviously screaming out for more ground. The mid-race move was, in my view, like one of the best of the day. I mean, a 12-length mid-race squeeze was just superb and finished off with a 5.7 above last 400. Like, entitled to, though, Ralphie, right, to be really strong. I wouldn't say that was the best part of the horse. I just felt the mid-race was, and this horse is, like, on a big upward scale. A little bit of caution, 1.6 lengths below overall IVR figure. Even though I'm saying it's on a big trend upwards, I'll be looking for this horse well beyond 1,200 metres. And... That will help it with its, you know, race shape. You know the way it likes to sort of set itself up and get warmed up into a race. The other runner, yep. that you touched on, General Salute. I felt this horse was in a great position, just a couple of lengths behind Liberated. Maybe, maybe if you wanted to be really, really hard nosed, you could say just one length closer. But that—that's me talking, right? Not, you know, you might not be able to physically do that in the race. But there's no denying how strong that horse was last 400. 6.3 above, excellent last 200 metres. was probably the highlight for me on how strong it was over the last 200 metres. And this is another runner who's returned absolutely better than last campaign. Has it got the same projection as Liberated? 
well, it's a minus 0.2, probably not, but find the right race. This horse is going to make some money. Hopefully, you know, we can be on it the day it makes the money. I should tie it in a bow with Corniche because it sounds like, uh, and by look of the your IVR report here, which you get via Sizzlers, uh, he was maybe a bit similar to Candice, uh, Kandinsky Abstract. He was the favourite in the day, and we've got a little bit of a line here too because Corniche was second in that uh, in that um, Zapateo trial. Libertad was third, but here position running was a big difference. So it's conceding at four lengths early. Yeah, true, true, but the reality is this, Ralphie. It wasn't a better performance than Kadinsky Abstract. Yep. Being a length, 1.4 lengths in front of it, didn't quite have the same last 400 metres. And realistically, I probably felt that that horse should have had a far superior last 400 than the winner, just the way it was positioned. Didn't quite do that. Sort of really gave me the insight that there is a real class swing with Liberated, and maybe I'm looking at Corniche's profile here. You see, this is what I like to look at, Ralphie. The other two horses, or the other three horses that we've spoken about, when you look at their previous campaign, I know it's only like a run or two runs, they've come back better. This runner is actually coming behind its last, its best performance last campaign, which sort of... Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm half spitballing here, but I just wonder if the Cummings uh, blinkers to come on might be the might be the button pusher. If there is a button to push, so time for sure, will tell. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's I, mind you, I'm saying all this, but at the same time, this is a horse that I have an expectation should be running past benchmark. But I'm, I'm always nervous when they can't get past their initial line. Well, one also did, and it's a stable mate, same jockey, same trainer in the up-and-coming stakes was Tom Kitten. Um, hadn't done an awful lot on the clock leading in, but clearly that was circumstantial. Uh, Tramwick win was on bottomless ground, and uh, in, in the size produce, uh, Fleming in its third career start, it was uh, it was checked badly in that terrible fall that, uh, that Jamie Carr got injured in. And uh, sorry, there was another other rider too. I think it was, uh, it, it was uh, well, Craig Williams, of course, he, he also fell in that race too. So he, uh, he had a legitimate experience used that day but to return with a really good performance and Nashville Willis said we plan to ride for luck in the run with the big weight try and save ground ride for the better part of the track I straightened up had a look it was like trying to park a bus in George Street he's a horse you'll never find the bottom of he has gears when you have to do a bit with him as a young horse they come back it's pretty exciting how well did he come back Vince winning this race yeah Ralphie like wow I mean I, I couldn't quite find it myself right yep just on the profile of last campaign but I I, I did understand very clearly there was a lot of uh, positive talk whether it was going to be on Saturday or in the coming weeks and of course <laughs> like myself you say well hopefully you don't win today no joking right no money on it for me but the reality is is the performance was outstanding plus 1.4 overall best of the day Ralphie like that's big that's really big for a three-year-old and then to give you some like some just a little bit of insight if we sort of compare let's say to a horse like Liberated right over yep. a shorter distance Tom Kitten's gone slightly faster over a bit more ground through the first section, minus 2.4 versus minus 3.4 in the mid-race. It's actually extended itself a length above benchmark faster than Liberated, even though the squeeze, when you look at the squeeze of both runs, were virtually identical. But you've got to remember you're doing it at a, at a high elevation. And then you've got 1,300 metres and it's gone 4.5 last 400 compared to 4.8 and liberated over 1,100. This is how you sort of see, you start to put the puzzle together, say that all round, this horse was stronger. And then 
I always like to look at just what that sustained speed's like. We can pull in the 1,200 metre in this case, and there it is, second best of the day, right? Very, very strong off that race shape. A lot to like. It was probably one of two really big runs in that race. But Tom Kitten, I then look at, you know, that previous campaign, and rightfully said by you, Ralphie, everything was pretty much on, you know, ground that had wetness about it, particularly towards the end when it was winning and never returned really a big WTI. And here we are on clean ground, and it's just gone bang with a monster bang. I mean, it's like six, seven lengths up on last campaign. Now, that's not a true reflection. Probably, if you look at the Matrix, it's probably more like a, a three-length better, but this is big. This this horse this is a horse that probably is going to go plus three, plus four. Well, that, that's, that puts you on the door of winning a Golden Rose, usually. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, and Caulfield Guineas type horse. So, uh, be interesting which way they go with it, but that's, that's very exciting. Kintai was good, but race fit. Maybe there's a question on what uh, what improvement can can be there though? Uh, a horse just out the back. I just I reckon he's a spring champion stakes horse. This horse, Cafe Millennium. You said his trial was really good leading in, but off a slow pace was able to quicken. Here he's he's resumed at a fast thirteen hundred. What's the, the it's shown you from this mid race for a, from a staying perspective going forward? Well, for sure. I mean. When you look at that six lengths below benchmark, you know that you're in a non-winning position, right? <laughs> now, okay, admittedly, the winner who was going plus three, <laughs> they finished alongside each other, right? But then the next closest horse was travelling 2.4 above benchmark. That was Griff, was in a, a similar position, but gives you some indication. Maybe those leaders were just slightly overreaching. But the reality was 5.9 lengths below benchmark, Firstly, you had to be at least a length or two closer, but that's not the nature of this horse. The nature of this horse is a building horse because it's such a big horse. His mid-race was pretty solid, 8.4 length mid-race squeeze between the 8 and the 400. Solid overall last 400 of um, 3.7. Probably giving you some sort of insight that... <sighs> more ground for sure, right? because it's just giving me that nature that's more one-paced. Yep. Is it going to get to a Tom Kitten? I would say no right now, but could it go beyond 1,600 in the future? Maybe this is going to be a 2,000-meter horse. I don't know, Ralphie. Well, that's 100%. the spring champion I'm talking yep. about. Yep. Yeah, the 2,000 Randwick. That's, that's what I was thinking of when you said the spring champion. You know, I thought that yeah. you were saying 1,800, 2,000, but yep. yeah. Yeah. No, it'd be interesting to see what, what happens going forward. Uh, I'll ask you about extravagant star. There's also it showed a little bit as a young as a young filly lost its way for a couple of preps. Uh, now stable transfer to Ma Eustace, uh, wide throughout at Warwick Farm. I know in your race speed profile Saturday morning. In fact, I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just just read directly what, what you wrote about extravagant star. Resumed at Warwick Farm over a thousand thirty first best of the day. Stepped to eleven hundred ideal. Resumed at Warwick Farm of hundred nine day break. Post a modest figure, but a slick combined 4.8 above benchmark last 400 indicates she had more to give on that occasion. Steps 1,100 in her favour. Uh, and given that on her debut, best of the day, 0.3 below benchmark at Geelong to win her maiden. She gets service at J-Mac, which commands attention, finds a suitable race here to win. Now, uh, Vince, how often do we say that often they don't progress in their first prep? So this is a really good sign that they've got this horse ticking again, May Eustace. Oh, Ralphie, for sure. There's... 
this was like one of my top four horses of the day. The first horse and the second horse were the ones that I had a big smile on. I just thought they were brilliant. Yes, they didn't go out with like a flashing star through that first section, like 5.9 lengths below benchmark, extravagant star. If I can touch on it while I'm on it, Ralphie, smashing eagle 9.7. I mean, completely non-winnable <laughs> from there, right? Yeah. The mid-race, extravagant star has pretty much put in a good solid six points six-length mid-race squeeze. That's more than liberated, right? And yep. then smashing <laughs> Eagles put in 11.4. Like, I, I, they don't go <laughs> usually – that's about as good as they can go, Ralphie, like when you look at where the horse was positioned. But that last 400 metres, I go, wow, seven and a half above extravagant star, smashing Eagle 9.5, and even Defiant Heart to some extent, 7.3, who's run third above – but those first two horses, Ralphie, particularly Extravagant Star and Smashing Eagle, when I looked at their figures, plus 1.1 Extravagant Star, second best, Smashing Eagle, point two. I go, these horses are set for huge campaigns, and I'm expecting massive uh, – it might not come next start, right? Because they're yep. putting big exertions. They might be a runaway, but they are going to do something big. I, I actually thought Smashing Eagle, Ralphie, the way he finished off the last 400, was like absolute elite level. Uh, we uh, get our members or invite our members to ask us questions on uh, on the Sunday. I always send out an email to all our members. Members get best of the day from Melbourne and Sydney email to them during the week. And like I said, Group 1 members get little bonuses. This week it'll be a document uh, featuring some of the good horses from the trials last Tuesday. Uh, so let's switch to, uh, before we switch to Mooney Valley, Liam has asked, would love to have Vince have an early look at the Cox Plate field. Was tipping Animo months out last year when Vince was all over it. <laughs> uh, so the, the point there, being though Vince, um, you, you don't do forecasts, but what you're saying is as horses emerge, you say whether they're a Cox Plate chance. And this is what happened with Animo when he returned. You just said, no, this is this is his year. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not, we, we don't do, you know, future forecasts as a, as a bit of clarity there, Liam, but pre appreciate your question there. Um, and speaking of Group 1s, are we doing the uh, the preview podcast back this week? Memsy Sakes? No, I reckon we're a week away, Ralphie. Oh, I, no, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's resume in the yeah. Maccabi in a couple that's of weeks. It, that's it, the Maccabi, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait till, uh, wait till the, uh, we've got a bit more data to work with as far as how horses have resumed. So that'll be the preview podcast. Uh, a couple of questions are about Mooney Valley. So, Vince, how's Mooney Valley progressing at its third meeting back post-renovations? Ralphie, not good yep. is what I'm going to say to you. And, you know, I don't yeah, like it. concerns last things. meeting. Yeah, and this is the same, like – when I put all the data through the standard process, the reality was if I was to use the whole historical platform, it was going to be a bit of a mess. And this is how I know when the tracks aren't right. So it had to go through uh, isolation. Otherwise, what was going to happen is you were going to see figures that just they don't make sense, Ralphie. And, and yeah. we're talking about Mooney Valley has got 40 years of history. With you. Clockwork. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just saying that when I start seeing stupid numbers all over the place, like, you know, like st super fast figures, you just know that, and probably, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I certainly wouldn't have had that knowledge and know-how. I would have just taken it as it was. But I've learned over the years that when you see certain patterns emerging, a lot of the times I've learned this from the, the tracks that are, you know, like the 
Ballarat synthetic and and the Pakenham is the one Pakenham, that they mainly yeah. use. I, I've learned that they will need to be in isolation. Otherwise, you're going to have figures that they're just never going to run to. It's not real because the surfaces, that's how much they're changing. Right. And here we had the same situation. So once I reapplied its own isolated cleanse, then I had a much more balanced view and something that can be not only so it's not only it's got to be workable on the day, Ralphie, it has to be workable into the future. And the last thing you want to see is, you know, you get a race like a, what was it? Uh, which race was it? It was I'll give you an example. Let's say something like a race four. Now, if you've seen figures like they went 2.6 first section, five five and above above in the mid and eight above in the last 400 metres, you'd go, what the hell? Who, who are these horses, right? <laughs> and the reality is that's just track surface issues. I did feel going into the race because the big the big noticeable change was the fact that they mowed the lawn, the grass. Yep. They took like, hundred, I don't know, close to 100 mil off it. That definitely changes the speed, and I felt were they doing that because of this big lane bias that they've got? No question, the track was quick, and what I was happy to see was that we did get runners that were coming from a wider position. Not a lot of them, right? But they were there. They're better than we were. The last two meetings, they were super highway. They were lanes four or five. Forget the rest, right? At least now we've seen an expansion to lane nine, even though I felt that the majority of horses were coming five, six, seven. Yes. Uh, and, and this goes to a broader point, Vince. I put out a restricted service because I just had no confidence in the in the meeting. Uh, there was 34 scratchings or something race morning as mm-hmm. well. And and uh, on top of what you've outlined with the surface, I mean, I, I expected it to play that way. I'm not criticising that so much, but just saying that I, I didn't have confidence and Really, Vince, that this is your opportunity as a punter. Sometimes your best chance to make money is not to spend it. For sure. I had someone send me an email how I felt the track was going to play. And the reality was I was extremely nervous. And the last thing I was going to do was give some advice. Yep. When I'm looking at saying, i got no idea. This could be just a disaster, right? I don't know. And, and as it turned out, rail true, the majority of winners were still leaders or stalking the lead, right? There was just a little bit of variance in the lanes. I mean... It was only one – well, okay, there was two runners. The first race in the card, horses yep. come from seven lengths off the pace, and there was the 2,500-metre race where they came six. All right, the 2,500 metres, I get it. First race, I don't get it, right? Yep. But the reality is the rest of them, if you weren't bang on leading within two lengths, forget it. You ain't going to figure in the finish. You just, had a, you just had one or two lanes more to work with. I hope that um, they're going to make – you know, the track's going to improve from that. That's all I can hope for. But right now, I ain't seeing it. So uh, there were a couple of robot explosions late in the day, as yep. I like to call them, when they, they, they uh, the big teams have a huge go on a couple and you think, no, I'm not sure on this one, <laughs> and one of which was St. Lawrence. Now, we've got some members' questions here. I'll combine a couple, which was uh, from Alistair. What are the figures on Deny Knowledge? Seemed to be an amazing first up run. Where can she progress to that spring? So she led throughout, and Alan's asked, uh, St. Lawrence on face value, disappointing V market expectations. However clearly went much faster the 800 than previously, and particularly in its last two runs, given the understandable drop-off at the end of the race. Could this be a platform the horse to improve going forward, and particularly over a longer case, or is it a case we'll have to wait and see? So, dual questions there, Vince. One, the winner, how good was it? Two, St. Lawrence, getting into a fast race, which was my big query given the price pre-race. Uh, how, did, how did it cope, and what can you see from this fast race? Uh, 
yeah, again, you know, with a cleanse and just containing it all to the day, I got a much better perspective because the figures leading in off the history was just like diabolical. It was like, oh, Ralphie was probably 10 lengths bigger than what I'm actually, you know, ended up with and simply not the case because that's just the speed of the track, the way it was operating. And uh, the 1519 is a really 1519, right? Just little things like that. But the, the, yeah, I, get you. I, I, wanna, I don't want to dive too deep into yeah, that, right? Yeah. Sometimes if there's a difference of five or ten metres, it's going to make a big difference to the clock, right? Exactly. And there are things that you can uh, find because certain things don't move. The trees get, in the background. Yeah, when you get all the various angles, you <laughs> get some understanding on things, right? But the reality yeah. is this. The pace was solid, 4.5 lengths faster than standard. Very, very good. Like like the mid-race as well. Still travelling half length below above benchmark with a taper at the end. All positive signs, plus 1.1. I guess that's the starting point, Ralph. I mean, yeah. that's, that's fantastic, right? I mean, when we look at it, at where we are now for Melbourne horses to be doing that, I just reckon that was awesome. Absolutely felt it was awesome. Now, St. Lawrence... Good speed through the first section, 2.7 above. Just couldn't hold it, Ralph. It just couldn't so, hold so it. So explain, explain the difference in speed it was asked to go here because this is, the this is you know, good, good luck whatever weight kilo difference it was, seven or eight kilo difference. When you have to go so much quicker, that's going to see it. That's going to find out what's really there. And this is the thing about racing. You can't run at your preferred speed if the race is dictating fast pace, right? Yep. So what happens here, you just look at the history of this horse, never gotten anywhere near benchmark first section, right? Never. Two runs last of this campaign, both of them, 10 and 10.9 lengths below benchmark. So we're talking about in excess of two seconds, like 12 and a half, 13 lengths faster. You know you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Even the mid-race, the horse was racing to its, to its shape, like above benchmark, that it had done at its absolute best, and it's had to hold it off like more than two seconds faster through the first section. I mean, it's a big ask, Ralphie, for a horse to be able to do that. No wonder there was a taper at the end, and it was about oh, nearly six lengths, 4.9 lengths below benchmark last 400. Absolutely entitled to do that. And goodness knows what would have happened if it didn't have those couple of runs. Like, it oh, would have been a very sorry horse at the end. So, so the other point being, though, because it was odds on, take notice of that SP. So what you're saying is the clock said there was a very good reason for it to gas out like it did, and uh, th there's a rebound possibility. Absolutely, Ralphie. In a field size like that, you are not expecting this sort of pressure, right? Yeah. You're this, is, this is basically, through the first section, the fastest race of the whole day. Right. Like, there was no races quicker than that through the first section. Or there was, I think... There was one other race, race four, where they were very similar, right? Not not much between them through that first section. But this is big, and it puts a lot of pressure on horses to be able to cope, particularly if they're early in their campaign or they're not properly set up for it. Probably the advantage for the Mar Eustace stable with St. Lawrence is they had a good baseline to work with. Therefore, this is not going to jade the horse in a bad way into the future. So back to the winner. Did, did you happen to see the post-race on racing.com with Mick Kent? No, I didn't. No, that's all right. Firstly, <laughs> Wiramupin could hardly 
uh, pull the horse up. <laughs> so they, he was laughing at it. He said, she does that all the time in, in that um, they thought she was. She nearly did another full lap after the race. So this is just a high cruising speed horse at Geelong, which was a, her end of prep run. Uh, I'm looking here, 10.9 legs above benchmark first section. She's done some pretty amazing things, and she's really only had two preps with Mick Kent post um, post coming from from uh, overseas, and he said, I wouldn't be surprised if this horse could win a serious staying race just getting out in front and running horses ragged. So what's what's the numbers actually showing from a, from a real sort of graph line? Well, firstly, he's definitely taking the horse to the next level. Right. Like I can't pin the horse anything lower than 1.1, and it was the best of the day. That's the absolute lowest I could pin. I could make a case for this horse could easily be plus three, right? But plus 1.4, uh, plus 1.1 to keep it real and keep sanity on my side or anyone's side when it comes to you know looking at it as a serious betting commodity in the future. That's outstripped anything it's done since it's been in this country. So the the clear cut answer is they've got this horse right. Is it going to just turn up, maybe second up, and be dynamic? I don't know, Ralphie, because they usually might need a run to recover from this type of pressure. Maybe not, but I'm just saying there's a possibility if he goes through the standard 21 days or slightly more, then he's got the opportunity of probably being able to get a a back-to-back win. But this horse is absolutely, I'd say, borderline airborne. (laughs) Exactly. It's, a, it's an interesting way, and, and how often do we say it? Mares, they can keep improving as older horses. Oh, so often we have seen that, Ralphie. That that's probably one of the one of the biggest finds for me as an individual over the last sort of decade. That mares, if they're treated right, they absolutely keep improving, even when they get to six. I've seen it. You know, they <laughs> they do it. Uh, despite a late drift, Najim Sahail, who we, we put a lot, nice big stamp on from uh, from Fleming and this, and we just spoke about uh, Deny Knowledge, this in the sprint range, this is, this is a fast sprinter and uh, it, it also is an import originally from South Africa and it, it looks like it's controlling its speed. Well, I thought that until, let's see the data, I'll get some insight there. But this is the other robot explosion on the day in a fast 1200. How is Gringotts going to be able to keep up? But they backed it heavily. To me, it says two things. One, they didn't really take notice of how the track was playing on the day. But if, if they backed it so heavily, there's obviously some upside to this horse. I'm taking notice of the uh, of the market move, particularly now that I've seen your figures, and it's had to go on, go very fast in a 1,200 race when it's got a mile profile. Well, this is the thing, Ralphie, and this is on a cleanse static for the day, right? That's really... <laughs> You wouldn't want to know what the figures were off the off the you know initial roars. It was just like ridiculous, right? Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous, knowing that it's completely unachievable. And I know how those things happen, Ralphie. I don't want to disclose it on the radio, uh, on our discussion. Why? Yep. I know why that's happened. And the reality is here we are. Plus three first section, fantastic. Between the eight and the four hundred meters, plus two point seven. Unbelievable high cruising, sustained speed, first two sections. You're absolutely entitled to drop off over the last 400 metres, which the horse did. And I'm glad it did, right? Because what it, what it's demonstrated is two things. Number one, it went 1,000 to 1,200 metres and actually improved its overall baseline figure from 0.2 to 0.3 and did it with a lot more aggression, which is probably the greatest uh, component of it, which... This is what it generally means, Ralphie. If they turn up into another run, there's always a high likelihood they're not going to run with anywhere near the same tenacity. And usually those horses 
third up and th- fourth up get a tremendous advantage if they get into a race where there's uh, slightly softer speed. And slightly softer might just be benchmark, right? Yeah. yeah. Or even plus one. They have all the pent-up energy and they're explosive. The other runner, the one you were talking about, that's interesting that you said about, you know, I don't didn't pay any attention, obviously, to this race in the market, right? Yep. But I'm just now looking at what you're, what you're saying. First of all, two lengths below overall, obviously a little bit behind the winner. But when I look at the breakdown and just sort of bring it into clarity, 0.4 above benchmark, well, that's a new PB for the horse. The 1.7 above, absolute, this is in the mid-race, between the eight and the four, smashed anything this horse has ever done in its life, right? Yep. And to have that drop off at the end, which wasn't as severe as the winner, sort of gives me some comfort that, first of all, the two lengths below benchmark, it's absolutely bang on target to run to its last campaign, and that was 0.1 below. So it's definitely going to run benchmark. And with this stable, Ralphie, if there's anyone that knows how to find another two or three after that, they can do it. All right. Can't wait for this Saturday. Memsey Stakes at Caulfield. Also, good racing in Sydney continues to evolve and emerge. All of Intercardi's work via dailysectionals.com.au or mine via racetrackralphie.com.au, including your opportunity to become a member. Members get best of the day. Sent to them from Melbourne and Sydney each and every week. And this week, our Group 1 members bonus will be a little document on uh, on the trials from last week at, uh, at Randwick. Thanks so much for listening to Year Round Carnival.